So I quit my job. It was a pretty well-paid senior product manager role. And I took out a quite a hefty, about a £20,000 loan. And that was to get married. And the day that money came in, I actually decided, instead of allocating out to getting married, going to put it into my startup. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bikes, the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. In this episode, I'm joined by my friend Harvey Carpenter, who is the founder of Growform, a form builder which is now around 7k MRR. It's a mixture of enterprise and some other clients, and he's tackling a product in a market that is extremely competitive and crowded. Before we get into this conversation with Harvey, I want to thank Indie Bike sponsor Email Octopus. Email Octopus are an indie email marketing platform built to support other small growing businesses like yours. They are focused on affordability and ease of use, which is perfect when you're starting out as a bootstrapper. Email Octopus contains all the features you need to reach and grow your audience. You can start today without paying a penny on their free plan where you can contact up to 2,500 subscribers. To try out Email Octopus, head to emailoctopus.com or hit the link in the show notes. Now, there's no extended version of this episode, but it is a backlog of fantastic extended episodes on the Indie Bytes membership at indiebytes.com slash membership. Now, let's get into this episode with Harvey Carpenter. Harvey, how are you doing? Welcome to the pod. I'm good. It's lovely to be here. Great to have you. Now, let's talk about the early days of Grove 4. Maybe before that, a little bit about your background for people that don't know. Are you, have you always been a software engineer? Did you have a life before doing this indie hacking stuff? I did. I did have a life before. Are you someone that built a ton of side projects, entrepreneurial when you were younger? Have you got a few of those up your sleeve that you can tell oh, us about? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When I was a kid, I think from the age of about 15 onwards, I probably had 30 plus side projects of some sort. I had a price comparison site comparing prices of Nintendo's Wii Fit. So I owned buywiifit.co.uk. That is superb, Harvey. I know that. I love it when I speak to people where I don't know about their backgrounds and I find out they have stuff like a price comparison website for Wii Fit. Is that like a little board you had? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's and it, it had sound effects. So when, when a Wii Fit came in stock, you know, people's alarms would go off. And I was about 17 years old as I'm making thousands, taking my friends out for lobster and steak and <laughs> All sorts of crass stuff I'd never do anymore. You were making thousands with this. Well, yeah, but I wasn't paying any rent and didn't have any overhead. So back then, that was a lot of money. Okay, so you got that. Tell me about some others you've had. So there's a company called IWantOneOfThose.com. And I was in my top five affiliate. So I was spending all my money as a 17-year-old on Google Ads, <laughs> sending it to a landing page. I think it was called AllTheGadgets.co.uk or Fresh Gadgets or something like that. And they invited me on their company ski holiday, basically. So it was an all expenses trip paid to Whistler. We went out to the mountains on a, you know, in a limousine, all the drinks were paid. So yeah, I had a great time, met some great people and ended up actually doing some marketing for them. And I actually joined that company and that was the beginning of my marketing career. Ah, so did you know how to code? Were you a software web developer then or were you just a marketer who back, was finding up arbitrage and opportunities? Yeah, so it was basically that. So it was kind of hacky PHP scripts. And I think I was hiring somebody on Fiverr or the equivalent back then. Did you have any of these side projects that actually could have turned into something bigger? Did you have any sort of failures? Um, I don't think I had anything that could have turned into much bigger. I think back then, you know, when, when I was 17 or 18 years old, my focus was on just making a little bit of money and learning and kind of uh, not relying on just kind of working at the pub as most 17-year-olds did mm. back then. Whereas now, even if I could make a bit of money on the side doing one of these schemes or these comparison websites or something... I'm not necessarily as interested in that because I, I want a business that, you know, I'm proud of to tell my mum and, and share about. 
And you mean the Wii Fit board wasn't? I didn't wasn't really. That. I don't really think <laughs> comparing Wii Fits using you know the, the brand name in in the URL is probably a good long term prospect. Yeah, get rich. But if, you, if you were entrepreneurial since you were younger, is that not frustrating for you having to work for someone else? And do you have any regrets of working for someone else for so long? Yes, in a way. I I actually got a law degree and kind of started trying to go into law and. Sorry, what? Yeah, yeah. so I have a law degree. I did the legal practice course, so I'm sort of 70% a qualified solicitor. But yeah, that was completely not me. Whereas I think when I got into marketing and you're actually being able to see the impact of your work and the conversion rates and so on, and then later became a product manager, I was really doing what I love. So product management, you know, you're working with people who are much smarter than you. You're actually building stuff and seeing stuff go into production. So that was kind of enough to scratch the entrepreneurial itch during a day Were job. you really thinking that throughout it? No, I wanted to start up. Of course <laughs> I did as well. But it was fun. Yeah, yeah. And so let's go to the ideation of Growform, you actually starting it. At this point, had you taught yourself how to code properly and how was that? I'd kind of hacked about with some some kind of React scripts and stuff. So previously, I was in a marketing team. We were spending about $300,000, a a month on Google ads and Facebook ads, which is like throwing traffic at a landing page. One day we hired an agency and they did one thing to get more leads coming in. And they basically split out our long, boring form into multiple steps. And I thought to myself back then, this was like five plus years ago, God, I wish I was a form builder that just let me do nice multi-step forms that feel like a dream to fill in. And I kind of put that idea at the back of my head and then... Three years later, when I actually knew how to go about it, how to code, I built my first form. And that, that first form was actually my my wife, Victoria, is also very entrepreneurial. She has a artificial floristry business. And I'm not going to lie, she had a terrible form. She will admit to that on her website. It's about 10, 10 fields long, one of those really ugly forms. And I just said, you know what, I can do better than this. I can create you a really visually appealing form that looks and feels great to fill in. So I built her that. It probably took me about six weeks just to build one form. And lo and behold, it, it doubled her conversion rate. And at that point, I was like, I wonder if other people would find some value for that. So I spent some time building the builder that sits around the forms. Mm-hmm. And first first of all, great first customer, your wife. She still hasn't paid me anything. <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels like at that point, there were plenty of form builder options out there. So it feels like it was already a problem solved. Why did you feel that you could build something that was different? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. And it's kind of a valuable learning lesson for indie hackers, you know, because you've you've had guests who are making good MRR from basically doing the same thing over and over again. But when you look at what those form builders do, you know, Typeform does one question at a time very well. It's brilliant for surveys. And I would never say, you know, Growform is better for general use or surveys. Tally is a really nice, clean, notion-like experience. You know, nice white background, feels like a sheet of paper. Growform is great for lead generation. So if you're spending money sending traffic to a landing page and you want people to fill it in and feel engaged and you want it to look like your brand then that's a tool I'd suggest you use. But there's all sorts of tools out there. And I think there's plenty more form builders to be made. You know, if, if somebody knows a particular niche or a particular market, 
I'd say, you know, go for it. You've taken this approach of going into a market where there might be a product that already exists, but isn't for a specific niche. I actually spoke to, on the last episode, my friends from Email Octopus, and uh, they took the approach of not niching down in any way. They were just, we're going to be for everyone, but we're going to compete on price. So Mm. do you think it's a good idea for indie hackers if they are starting out and they're going into a market, picking a niche and building specifically for that? Yeah. If you're an indie hacker and you want an idea, but you don't know exactly what it is, I'd say take this framework. One, take something that is close to you, something you know something about. So with me, it was marketing, but my dad has always owned kids' day nurseries. My wife is a florist, etc. So just take like five or 10 industries that are near to you that you can quiz people on. You know, Arvid Carr, his example, his partner. That was the one that came to mind for yeah, me. Yeah, his partner was a teacher and that kind of gave him that unfair advantage of having access to a teacher and being able to ask all those questions, you know, about how should the product act? Because it's basically impossible to imagine, you know, imagine if you were a teacher, you just can't do it. So take those kind of 10 niches that you can talk about, you know about, and then come up with a category of software that has been done a million times before that is established. So Form Builder is a good one. You've got CRM, you've got email tools. You can probably think of a few more boring categories of software. Talk to me about some of the growth you or growth tactics you've used for Growform to get it where it is today. So I think unlike a lot of indie hackers, my very first customer, after my wife, of course, came in through Google Ads. So I was spending a few hundred dollars a month uh, just bidding on words like form builder. And that was really valuable to collect those first few customers and learn some lessons. And to be able to say, you know, if I invest X amount, I actually have a kind of repeatable engine here. I would definitely advocate that approach. uh, If you know a little bit about Google Ads uh, or Facebook Ads to try that out as well as just using your network. You always hear this advice of go out to your network, talk to friends and family. But I'd say with that, you don't always get great advice because it's people who are trying not to hurt your feelings. And it's also not scalable at all by its very nature. As you were sort of going through your growth journey with Growform, you were doing it as a side project alongside your job. You've now quit your job and you're working on this. What went into the decision to quit your job, do Growform, And what was the indications that this was the one you could do it? I made that decision when it was making about five or six hundred dollars per month. Mm. So obviously nowhere near enough to sustain the mortgage or anything like that. But those were 10 or so customers who had been acquired via Google. And it was at least repeatable enough to give me an inkling that, you know, if I keep going how I'm I'm going, this should probably be about fifteen hundred dollars in six months or so. So I quit my job. It was a pretty well-paid senior product manager role, which I miss very much. (laughs) (laughs) I went down to $500 a month, which obviously does nothing. And I took out a quite a hefty, about a £20,000 loan. Did you? $25,000, loan. Well, just from the bank? Yeah, with with my current salary. And that was to get married. And the day that money came in, I actually decided, instead of allocating out to getting married, going to put it into my startup. What did your wife think of that? She took some convincing, but, but we got there. <laughs> she, she no, was like, it was it was something we'd uh, talked discussed, about. Yeah. Um, but the the point in that is, banks will not lend you twenty thousand pounds to put it into a risky startup, but they will lend it to you to buy a car or get married or do a home extension or any other risky activity. So 
if you do take out our loan for one of those activities and then change your mind after the event, that can be a source of funding. And I've paid pretty much all of it back by now. So it worked out very well. That is not something that I think a lot of people would do, Harvey. Did you have like your savings runway at all? Yeah, yeah. yeah I had a, a, some savings runway. So you had savings, you had the loan, and I suppose that was a forcing function for you to make yeah. grow form work. It's not really a huge risk to take because let's say you've got 20 grand in the bank, you're burning through 500 to 1,000 of that a month. If things weren't going well three months or six months later, I just would have gone out and got another job. Mm. So it was worth giving up my job at the time. But I think people always overstate the risk with these things. You know, there are other product manager jobs. The moment you take out a loan, you can keep 90% of it in the bank to draw it down slowly over time. It, It didn't really feel like a massive risk. And so what did that extra time that you had, what effect did that have on your growth? And where do you then spend that time? I think there's, it's really interesting. There's certain startups you can do, like little widgets and little add-ons, maybe marketplace tools that you can do as a side project or an evening project, whereas there's some larger, more difficult tools. You know, if you're building a form builder or a landing page builder or an email tool or something like that, you really do need six months, 12 months to work on it. So that enabled me to go full-time and basically build the tool because you're, you're just constantly getting bugs in or, you know, it doesn't do X, it doesn't do Y. So it just let me build for a year or so. Oh, wow. And uh, what, what were your goals with Growform? Is this something you wanted to turn into a, a big company or were you trying to build a lifestyle business? Somewhere in between. I have no desire to have 200 employees and a load of investors and all of the stress that comes with it. But I can't see myself working in my shed in my in my garden for the rest of my life. So I think the dream for me is to have 15 to 20 employees who are passionate about what we do and grow the company in a sustainable and calm way. How are you spending your days? Are you working more or less than you did at at your day job? I think I do longer hours. So I'm doing sort of 8am till 6pm. But I'm going to the spa three times a week for a, a good two hours playing some tennis. And you like get a massage? What's your spa routine at like? Oh, uh, sauna, steam room, game of tennis, bit of a gym. And in the summer, they've got a fantastic pool outside and you can order a beer, chill out for the afternoon. Sounds very pleasant. It's honestly, it's probably my number one tip for mental health. You know, if, if you've got the runway, if you can do it, it is a few hundred pounds a month, but it actually stops you burning out early and it will save you a fortune on holidays. <laughs> yeah, getting a spa membership. Are you any good at tennis? Getting better, beginner plus. Okay, yeah. I I play tennis three, four times a week and that is my... Pretty serious. Pretty serious, but it's my release from from the stress of being an entrepreneur, working long hours. Uh, I do cycling as well. I I take my recreation seriously. Mm. I want to enjoy my time away from work and doing stuff like tennis is just terrific fun. Harvey, I end every episode on three recommendations, a book, a podcast, and an indie hacker. Okay, so I've got The Entrepreneur's Guide to Keeping Your Shit Together by Sherry Walling. That is fantastic. The podcast has got to be Diary of a CEO and the indie hacker Jack Bridger from Scaling Dev Tools. Oh, Jack, we both know Jack. What a nice <laughs> chap. Harvey, thank you so much for coming on this episode of Indie Bites. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Bites with Harvey Carpenter of Growform. Hope you enjoyed those nuggets and frameworks. And of course, get yourself a spa day in soon. Now, if you enjoyed this show, 
please do leave a review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe on YouTube. Please do all the things. But I appreciate you listening. That's all from me. See you next week. <laughs>